And welcome to The Real Money Show, hosted by Guildhall Wealth Management, a show about the incredible potential of owning physical gold, silver, and natural fancy-colored diamonds. The number to call the show every time is one eight seven seven eight silver and the website's therealmoneyshow.com. We'll have the Aiden Sisters special guests on uh, in just a few minutes here, Darren, but give us a quick market update. Yeah, we're very excited, John, to have the Aiden sisters on in a few minutes, and it'll just be one. It'll just be Marianne today. Pam had another engagement, prior engagement to get to, but uh, the line of questioning is fantastic, I think, and you'll get a lot out of this interview. Now, with the market update, uh, gold this week is holding very nicely, another half a percent higher on the week uh, in the 1320 to 1330 right now as we tape the show on Thursday, and uh, silver, again, up 1%, trading in the 2120 to 2130 range as we tape the show right now, and a close in gold above 1420 there's major resistance at that level would bring about a significantly bullish move now barring there being more resistance entering the market and certainly we won't know until we get there uh, there is nothing major in terms of resistance between here and over $1,900 an ounce so very exciting and of course this is a bit of a discussion about the close of June we're through that month right now silver rose twice as much as gold this month in fact uh, silver gold was up about six and a quarter percent uh, silver rose in the month of June 12 and a half percent it's a bit too early to see if the trend is intact but we have some cautious optimism heading forward and just this week we saw a number of great headlines we look behind those headlines as you know it's what we do and one of them that we're following is that the BIS or the Bank for International Settlements is now coming out and publicly discussing what their opinion is on various economies. They did uh, a bit of an article this week, gave their opinion publicly in the Canadian uh, marketplace and certainly the housing sector led the way uh, and they are giving the warning, the heads up. It has been given that this economy is overheated slightly and it is being led by the fact that real estate is overheated. We are going to be running an article this week in the Precious Metals Advisor. I urge you to get that newsletter and if you're already getting it to pick up that article. It is going to discuss, it's an article that was uh, printed in the uh, Globe and Mail and it's a fantastic discussion about where Canada's housing sector is right now and some of the concerns they have. Now this report that the the BIS, uh, getting back to the Bank for International Settlements, put out uh, basically talked about how some of the world's biggest banks have really really caused an alarming situation and they're warning about growing levels of debt and the dangerous unintended consequences of zero interest rate policies. For too long we have been saying that the interest rates have been kept artificially low. Jeremy has discussed it on this show at length and he has discussed silver as savings, gold as savings and way to combat this alternative uh, alternatively as a hedge using precious metals but the rest of the world is seeing it and they are telling us. Now these are some of the people you need to listen to because the Bank for International Settlements is an enormous organization and when they see something and they're telling you that the economy is faltering, that's a major concern. And you know when we look at uh, what we're, when we just look at the landscape of uh, silver and gold right now, oftentimes we've seen a lot of uh, discourse going on and you, you start to see these themes arise. Right now, we're seeing breakout, breakout, breakout in all metals on gold, 
specifically on silver and the platinum palladium metals. It's all everything we're seeing is it's all about the breakout. It's all about the bottom being in um, and uh, watch out for these markets. So we, we definitely see the timing here. We've seen this market correct. We think that it is time to really look at the opportunity that you're getting by owning physical precious metals right now and also to look into those fundamentals now. Don't wait till the price is $50. Look into those fundamentals. Find out why it's a hedge against inflation, a hedge against geopolitical unrest, et cetera, et cetera. I think, I think sorry, sorry, Darren, I was going to just say that, you know, we're bringing you, you know, every couple of weeks different guest hosts on our show, uh, whether it's Gerald Salente, uh, whether it's David Morgan, we have the Aiden sisters on today. It's not just us telling you or giving you our opinion that gold and silver is going to move up. These are people that are knowledgeable, that have been in the business 30, 40 years and have seen this all before. This is a great, great time to get into precious metals. In my opinion, this is the best time to buy gold, silver, platinum, palladium. I mean, you're looking at a very euphoric marketplace right now, one in which there is a very aggressive search for yield. You see it in the stock market for certain. Today, Thursday, we see the Dow jumps above 17,000. And I want people to understand that there's a difference between what the reality is and what the truth is behind the scenes. The average investor, the small guy in the street, he's still drowning in debt. He hasn't recovered from 2008, but the headlines would have you think otherwise. And as long as you're thinking that the other guy has recovered, you're in a dangerous situation. Hedge yourself. Get some hard assets in your portfolio. Do the common sense thing and protect your money. The wealth that you do have right now, it needs to be protective. And to do that, you need to own physical hard assets, gold, silver, platinum, palladium, and color diamonds. The number to call is one eight seven seven eight silver TheRealMoneyShow.com is the website. Yeah, we, we do the investment in several ways. We think one of the best ways to do it is to hold it physically, have it allocated, uh, get your serial numbers, have title document for the product so that there's no counterparty risk. Uh, we do that right here in Canada um, for our Canadian and um, foreign investors. We also have depositories outside of Canada, uh, for example, in Singapore. So what we allow clients to do is to be able to purchase the actual physical product, not have to worry about their own storage. They have it stored for them. They have the ability to sell and buy on a phone call so their liquidity issues are taken care of. So we make it as easy as buying paper, for example doing an ETF and such. And it's a very low-cost way to do it. So definitely give us a call, ask for that starter kit, and learn how to get into the market. Okay, Jeremy, let's uh, take a short break. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver therealmoneyshowcom Stick around. When we come back after the break, we get into our interview with Marianne Aiden. Hang on. And back with The Real Money Show. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver The website's therealmoneyshow.com. We're uh, very excited to have the pleasure of speaking with Marianne Aiden, her along with her sister Pamela, two of the most influential and well-known investment analysts, writers, and lecturers in the world. They are co-editors and publishers of The Aiden Forecast. It's a monthly investment newsletter which specializes in the U.S. and global stock markets, the precious metals and foreign exchange markets, as well as U.S. and international interest rates and bonds. They've done uh, tons of articles and writing dozens of articles. I've been in seminars around the world, done a bunch of TV as well. And we're glad to have with us today, Marianne Aiden. Well, that's very nice to hear, and thank you very much. Excellent. So I'll start with question number one. 
we've discussed cycles on our show, The Real Money Show, since 2008 and since we've been on air, and how silver and gold have really been cyclical since the beginning of this bull market back in 2002. My question to you is, how would you explain the most recent correction of the gold price since 2011? What factors have played a role in getting us to where we are? Well, you're very right in saying that gold has been quite cyclical. Um, it always has been. In fact, we've been able to identify um, a cycle that goes back to the very beginning um, in, you know, ever since gold began trading in the free market in the early 70s, which is kind of an intermediate type cycle because, of course, there are long-term cycles, shorter term. And the, the one that you're talking about, um, since gold began to decline, what was abnormal about that cycle was how far it fell. Um, it was something that I know we weren't expecting, and I don't think that many other people were either, but um, gold was expected to decline cyclically, but then it kind of went down that extra hundred or so dollars that kind of surprised everyone. And so then we took a harder look at that, and basically what we believe, but again, we'll have time will tell, is that if you look at the big, go all the way back to the big, big bull market in the 1970s, gold had a super rise. Then it had a big mid-correction, kind of midway. Uh, at, at that time, it lost like 50% of its value. And then it went on to like a, if you, a second bull market, if you will, that was just as strong, actually stronger than the first one. So it was two bull markets interrupted by this big downward correction. And we're beginning to suspect there's a lot of similarities to the decline that we've seen since um, in the last couple years to that intermediate decline that happened in the 1970s. So it's quite possible, again, time will tell, but that perhaps the big bull market we've seen since 2000 and, say, 2001, 2002, this was like a correction, and then it's going to continue into an ongoing, stronger bull market. But like I say, we'll see. We have to kind of just take it one step at a time. But for now, it's actually looking very good. Sure. I mean, we tend to think the same thing. And watching the markets more recently, uh, I certainly see where a lot of people could have lost faith. And of course, sentiment tells us that they have. Uh, certainly, the small investor has lost faith. But um, when I was reading a couple of weeks ago, an article that uh, I believe you and your sister Penn called Gold Finally Bombed Out, you were discussing the appeal of gold as a safe haven very briefly in the article. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on, on uh, gold as it relates to geopolitical instability the world over and what role this instability, if any, uh, whether it's the Middle East, Ukraine or other regions might play in terms of gold pricing moving forward from here. Oh, that's very, very important because gold has always been a safe haven, sometimes more than other times. But it, it, it's always, it's, it has that uh, reputation, if you will. And we've seen in, the, in recent re weeks what's happened in Iraq, for example, was a, a very important factor in pushing gold up strongly um, a few weeks ago. And, um, and we think that's going to continue. The same in Ukraine, as things have kind of simmered down a little bit here recently, but it's an ongoing, um, you know, kind of a geopolitical hotspot. And then there's always the, you know, we always say to watch out for the wild cards, because there's just this ISIS insurgent, um, insurgency, for example, in Iraq, 
just a month ago or so, no one had really, very few people had even heard of ISIS. And all of a sudden, from out of the blue, um, at least for those of us who don't live in the Middle East, here they come and they conquered a big part of the of the country, and they're um, they're very well financed, very well organized. Something that just kind of came seemingly from out of the blue, and that's something that really spooks investors, and it makes stocks nervous, generally speaking, and um, and it therefore drives more people into a safe haven like gold, for example. I mean, it's very timely in in a sense because in that same article, you actually pointed out that you feel technically we may have witnessed the bottom in the gold market price. Now, obviously, we don't have a crystal ball, but the recent pricing tends to us to indicate a willingness for the market to move forward at this point. In the last few days in particular, although our good friends, the banksters, seem to be uh, poking around, and of course, we look at the CO2 reports here and we follow them, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, we, we do believe that there is enough evidence to suggest that we be at least caution, cautiously optimistic about the price going up from here. Is that your same feeling? Yes, it is. It sure, sure looks like it. And there's several reasons why. One being this, you know, the, the environment, if you will, the, the, with the geopolitical tensions, the safe haven, the fact that gold got so... You mentioned that people just got so kind of burnt out on it. They they didn't want anything to do with it. Um, very very bearish sentiment, and and with reason. Stocks have been doing quite well, and now bonds are too. So people just kind of pushed gold aside, and that's exactly the kind of sentiment you want to see at a bottom. But that aside. Technically, if you look at, um, we have a lot of charts we use and leading indicators and what have you. Gold got as bombed out just recently, let's say in the last month or two, it got as bombed out as it was in the 80s. And so it's, it's um, before, like even before that, actually, the 80s, it, it was... Um, it was bombed out, but not. Right. But this indicator, it hasn't been as low as it's been in something like 30-some years. It was amazingly bombed out. Then um, it, all of a sudden it's been spiking up. That tends to lead the price movement. And sure enough, now we're seeing the price movement looking a lot healthier. And we use, for example, one of the moving averages we've used over the years. It's not absolutely foolproof, but it's the 65-week moving average. It's right now just below $1,320. And just this week, gold has surged above the $1,320 level. And if it stays there, um, that would be a confirmation from a technical perspective that a bull market is indeed underway. And um, so we're very positive, and we're seeing that also, it's being reinforced in the gold shares, which were very, very weak, as you know, and we're seeing it in silver, and we're seeing it in some of the other metals. So we are seeing quite a few signs signaling that this is it, and it'll probably keep going up from here. And if we got, let's say, another run similar to what we saw in 2011, uh, well, 2010 coming into 2011, what would be your opinion as to where gold prices might head? What range would we be looking at possibly? Well, that, that's hard because basically there's some heavy resistance levels along the way. One is $1,420. That's, you know, we're about $100 away from that. If that's broken... 
on the upside, obviously, um, then there's a good chance that gold after that, there's, it's kind of, you know, clear skies ahead, and it has a very good chance of running up to its old high. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting to see it, too, because I don't think a lot of people spend much time looking at the charts as we might, uh, but I, too, also wrote about that this week in our Precious Metals Advisor and the fact that uh, 1420 could be a very interesting uh, area. And if it does break above it, I'm interested to see where it goes. Now, also on a geopolitical front, uh, in addition to what's happening with uh, different situations and hot spots, there is seemingly this undertone of uh, discussions occurring and certainly some uh, activity brewing regarding the possibility of countries moving away from the U.S. dollar. Is this a sign of things to come and would this lead to any type of price fluctuation in gold and silver if major countries really did start to refuse the U.S. dollar? Oh, it sure would. It would be huge. And that's something we've been watching, too, for many years. And, in fact, sometimes we think our subscribers get bored hearing about it so we don't, you know, beat a dead horse, so to speak. But it's um, every month just about you see more and more countries that are doing their own thing. And by that I mean trading in each other's currencies, thereby eliminating the U.S. dollar from the transaction, which was always the case before. And so slowly but surely, and it's nothing that you could just say, oh, gee, this happened last week. But very slowly but surely, the dollar is indeed losing its global reserve status. And if you look at a a long-term picture of the dollar, which I'm sure you have many times, it's been on a steady decline since 1971, 72, when it went off the gold standard. But it's been subtle, you know, slowly but surely heading down. But I think this is going to speed up as we see um, more and more countries, you know, in a polite way, but essentially abandoning the dollar in their transactions and in their, um, they're finding it less attractive. And as you know, as the dollar heads down, gold will go up. And so that's a very bullish factor, yet another one for gold. It is, and technically it's hard to follow this trend, certainly because the the data that's out there is uh, not significant enough to come mainstream. So it's hard to dig up those little corners of the world and find these tidbits, but I suppose nobody really wants to be the first. Now, when it comes to the U.S. in particular, we have made an extra special effort on our show in particular uh, over the last number of years, and in my writing uh, also, to highlight the necessity for them to misdirect their public and uh, keeping the headlines um, pro-economy is certainly something that they've done a good job at in the last few years. It feels as though the U.S. and to a great extent the global economy is, is, however, behind the scenes becoming increasingly unstable. What is your take on the real situation of the U.S. economy and what, if any, impact will it have long-term on gold and silver pricings? I mean, are, are, are investors really waking up at this point? And if another crisis were to ensue, would they be smart enough to hedge their investments? Well, that, that's a very interesting question because, as you know, I'm sure, you know, anybody that, that is, you know, reading the financial press, there's always, always predictions of crisis and disaster ahead, yet it hasn't happened. On the contrary, things are kind of chugging along. You know, I, I won't say just fine, because as you said, there's a, there's a lot of problems behind the scenes. But 
and nothing, it's not certainly not perfect, but it's okay. And it's okay enough to drive stocks sharply higher. Um, people are, consumer confidence is coming back. And this is also not just in the U.S., but globally. So, yes, debt is at sky-high levels. And, yes, there's a lot of problems. And, yes, the GDP was just revised down to nearly a 3% decline in the U.S. There's all this stuff going on. Yet... On the surface, things are working, and I think that's primarily thanks to the Fed and their stimulus, which doesn't mean I think it's a great idea, but I think the option of not doing it would have been ten times worse. So, um, you know, call it fake, if you will. I don't know. Sure. But it's, but it's, it's working. Now, is that going to work forever? Obviously, no. But... You know, I can't, we're not of the, the school that's saying, oh, gee, there's going to be a big collapse in the next year or two. We don't know. We just kind of, I, I don't think any of us really know. I think things have gone better longer than most people expected, and that's actually good. I, I don't see, you know, what's, what's to complain about right now as far as, yes, long term, of course there is. But to say when is this going to happen and how it's going to affect gold, it certainly will. But to put a timeline on it, that's kind of tough. I think that you're right about that. And uh, my greatest fear, certainly in Canada, and I don't know how well versed you are with our economy in particular, but I'm sure you know enough to understand that we suffer some of the long-term potential downside problems that the U.S. does as well. And, oh, certainly, um, yes. And we've been viewed as an economy that's actually pulled through this crisis fairly unscathed. So it does leave me with a great deal of concern, but um, I doubt very much that the mainstream investor is going to be able to turn the corner quick enough if a crisis doesn't sue. So we are certainly making uh, every effort to attempt to get people into our markets, which are the physical gold, physical silver markets, and uh, we believe it's a good place to be parked. Now, in addition to gold, of course, we're huge fans of silver. We have followed silver since day one, and to a great extent, we've We've helped a lot of investors get into silver as opposed to gold in some cases uh, because they're speculating, in other cases because we believe in the uh, how undervalued silver is and what oh, its yes. potential is long term. In your articles more recently, you also have mentioned that you feel silver is very cheap at this point in time. What are the differences between the mentality of the gold investor and those that might be venturing into silver? And, and what do you feel might be the upside potential of silver? Silver, we think it's just fantastic, <laughs> and and really when I really do mean gold and silver, I mean I should have been more specific there, but no, silver is super undervalued historically speaking. In during bull markets, which we think this could be the beginning of one, we're almost you know I can, you can never say you're certain, but we're pretty sure, and silver. Uh, will continue to look very good, very positive by staying above $21. And um, it's it's got way more kind of, it's like someone had once said silver is like gold on steroids. You know, it's like if gold's going up, silver's going to go up much further. And that's usually what happens in bull markets. And Silver has excellent potential. It's um, it's actually more attractive for a lot of people simply for the fact that it's so much cheaper to buy, yet you get the benefit of, of a, a good, um, solid, safe investment, um, a secure, safe haven, so to speak. 
um, probably easier to dispose of and just easier to manage. But it's also, you know, it has its industrial uses, as you know. And we're very, very bullish on silver. In fact, we think it, it will outperform gold once this thing gets moving. Well, it's, a, it's certainly a, a viewpoint that's not uh, shared uh, as much as it should be, and we certainly do uh, appreciate the fact that you also like silver. But um, in terms of the uh, marketplace itself, um, we look at silver, and it's interesting to point this out. It's um, it's a metal which certainly has many of the same practical fundamental reasons to invest in as gold does, but if, let's say, for example, the economy tomorrow turned around and the largest economy in the world, the U.S. economy, turned around and, and pulled itself out of this huge funk and everything was great and we saw long-term debt coming down, I believe that because of the industrial uses of silver that uh, this is a metal that could soar equally in that type of environment as opposed to what people might be using it for now, which is as a safe haven. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, and and really, you don't even need the U.S. economy to pull out as as much as just the global economy. China, you know, everyone, right. everybody wants silver, needs silver, and so it's got that going for it too, which is a a real plus, I think. Well, again. When it comes to investments with Guildhall, I mean, obviously, there are a multitude of ways one can participate in the bullion market. Certainly, paper is probably the biggest and uh, certainly right now the most popular. But we have always believed in physical products since day one, and that has been what we've predicated our basic uh, business model on. What is your thoughts about holding physical bullion? Uh, we tend to believe that it should be titled in, in serial numbers, and you should be going the extra mile to make sure that it's physical. Um, we offer storage for our clients. It doesn't mean they have to use it, but what are your thoughts if you were going to get into the physical bullion market about holding it at home versus maybe storing it? Uh, and I'd be interested to know, and, and please don't pull any punches. Well, okay. Well, what you have just described is really the very safest way to, to own the metals, is to, you know, the physical habit, um, you know, it, it's, it's just there's nothing better. I mean, sure, you can buy the, and we do recommend some of the, the, um, the paper trades, sure, PLD sure. and what have you. But that's mainly for ease, you know, for, for, but for security, for the long haul, Physical gold and silver is the only way to go, and it's up to the individual if they feel comfortable. Some people don't want to worry about having it in their home, that someone might steal it, or they might, you know, forget where they put it, or whatever. We've heard a million reasons, and but then other people don't feel comfortable storing it, because then you have to trust a third party. So um, it's really up to the individual, but I think if you find um, a good solid company that you're comfortable with and it's and it's very practical to have it stored and 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 have it registered and you're you know you titled ownership as you say and um that's that's a wonderful way to keep to keep your own gold and silver right and just so our listeners can be a little more familiar, um, yourself and your sister Pamela have been doing this a long time. Can you give us a little bit of uh, uh, background on uh, both of you and, and how you came about and, and um, how long you've been doing this for? Well, we've been doing it for over 30 years. And um, it's really funny because we kind of stumbled into it because we both had um, had a kind of um, business 
business educations. And we, at the time, we were living in California, and our mother had moved to Costa Rica. And so we just came down for a visit, and we really liked it. And we thought, well, we'll just stay for it. We thought we'd stay for a year. During that year, but with every intention of going back to to our our work and what we were doing in California, which was which was fine, we we didn't come for any other reason other than to visit our mother. And so, um, but once we were here, it was exciting, and we thought, well, maybe we'll work. And and so we through a mutual friend, we met a private investor who was very much kind of a you know a Howard Hughes type of recluse which we weren't quite aware of when we met him, but he was um, he had retired at something like age 33, and he had two degrees from MIT in engineering. And in those days, there were, you know, barely computers were, were coming on board. We did a lot of the, our, our studies, you know, just the old-fashioned mathematical calculation way, and we went to work for him. And so that's where we initially got kind of like this private education with him. Um, and then after we didn't, then we ended, obviously stayed, ended up staying in Costa Rica. To make a long story short, we went to work after that for the only brokerage company in San Jose, which is the capital, and then eventually started our own newsletter because people kept asking us how they could keep up with what we were doing and this and that. So we've had our newsletter for a little over 30 years, and we just love what we do, and we follow the markets every day, and, and that's basically how it happened. That's a fantastic story. How can our listeners get in touch with the Aiden sisters? Well, we have, uh, they can come to our website if they like, and they can see some samples of our newsletter. And it's www.aidenforecast.com. And the information is there and, and, um, and samples and what have you. And, and so that would be probably the easiest way to get a hold of us. Well, thank you for being a part of The Real Money Show, and we hope to have you back soon. Take care. Okay, thank you. All bye right, bye-bye. Bye. And we'll, uh, we'll take a short break. The number to call to start investing, one eight seven seven eight silver And the website's therealmoneyshow.com. And back with The Real Money Show, the number is one eight seven seven eight silver The website's therealmoneyshow.com. Sign up for the Precious Metal Advisor whilst there. Guys, what did you think of that whole thing with Marianne? Pretty cool. A lot well, of knowledge. A, lot of, a ton of knowledge. Yep. And the, the good thing about it is that uh, it's certainly over the long term that they've been able to offer their opinion. So they're not Johnny-come-latelys. They didn't just show up yesterday on the scene and all of a sudden start analyzing the markets. They have been somebody that we have followed for a long, long time. And, and the basis of some of my own analysis has come or stemmed from their articles in the past. So it's very nice to have them on. And they're they're very cordial people. And, of course, just today, Marianne. But, they are. You know, it's a actually, a couple of my favorite, favorite people. I've been following them for years and years. Um, and it's so great to get these personalities to come on to our show the real money show to give an opinion so it's not only us to validate to, to validate what we've been saying on the air for for years now to get into hard assets like gold silver platinum and palladium the key takeaways from that article were really simple for me, though. I mean, when it comes down to it, I think uh, that they that Marianne made it clear now is the right time to be thinking about adding bullion to your portfolio. She said that uh, the resistance level in gold in particular, which is at 1420, if that's breached, there is very little stopping gold from going 
past 1420 all the way to its previous high of 1923, which again is very interesting because that could happen this year. And we anticipate that with a couple of moves here uh, higher, we could see that. Now, we're not out of the clear yet, but again, I think that that's what the indication is. So we are cautiously optimistic. In addition to that, her biggest point, silver is undervalued. Just a creeper, right? It's immensely undervalued. It represents fantastic opportunity right now. And the prognosis for the long term in silver, she firmly believes that silver is going to get a lot higher percentage-wise than gold will. So we love both metals, but there is the pick of the week. So we love that. Well, the funny thing is as well, when we had David Morgan on a couple of weeks ago, he called the bottom for his clients at around about $18.19. And he told his clients to get into the market. You know, this was last year. It took a little bit of time to get up to $21.20. My personal opinion, I think we're going to break out here. Um, and as Darren said, we get over to 2250 on silver and we get over 1420 on gold, you're going to see this market really, really shoot up. And you have to look, you know, during the interview as well, we're talking about currencies in the U.S. and our other countries are switching to different ways to pay for whether it's oil, whether it's for gold, whether it's for silver or any type of commodities. And if you look at the economy, everything is great in the U.S. for a very, very few amount of people, not for the average person. That 1% has done extremely well. Wall Street's done extremely well. But, you know, the average Joe customer... Uh, that's been sitting on the sidelines, has not done very well in these markets. And one of the other things we always talk about on this show is inflation and how price of oil is starting to creep up. You know, the cost of gas today is back to the highs of 2006, and nobody is basically saying a word. Nobody is saying anything about it. We've just let it go and become very, very placid with everything that's going on in the market. You need right now to look... Uh, how you're investing. You need to be into hard assets like gold, silver, natural fancy color diamonds. At Guildhall, we sell the physical product. You know, we don't sell ETFs. We don't sell certificates. We don't sell futures or options on futures. We sell the physical product. You can buy gold and silver. You can take it home directly. If you want to put it into our depository, which is safe, secure, and allocated, you can do that. And we can even finance precious metals for you. In my opinion, this is the time to get into the market. David Morgan suggested at 1819 that was the bottom. And even Marianne thinks the bottom is in and this is ready to rise. It's better to be in this market. It's better to be one week, one month, two months, three months too early than one day too late. And that's what happens with most investors. You know, silver is trading at 2120. People are saying, well, let me wait till it pulls back to 19. It may never, ever pull back to 19. You need to get into the market. You need to get our investment kit. You need to get onto our precious metal advisor list, get onto our mailing list. We send it out on a weekly basis to you. We keep you informed in what's happening in metals and also in natural fancy colored diamonds. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver and the website Paul was talking about is therealmoneyshow.com. You get the precious metal advisor right there. Jeremy. Well, look, we're always looking for exciting opportunities and, and we certainly feel at Guildhall that... Uh, these opportunities don't get to look much better than what we're seeing right now in silver and gold. When you look at the fundamentals in the market, you look at the supply-demand situation, you're at a point in history where silver is at its lowest supply 
with its absolute highest demand. We have less silver above ground today than we did in 1980 when it made a run to $50. And you have such a high demand on it industrially all across the world, when it, whether it's cell phones, plasma screen TVs, solar power, water purification, all of these things. And, and definitely society is going to be depending on these technologies going forward. So silver, as far as a supply demand and industrial use, is uh, definitely going to be needed going forward. Then you want to look at its monetary uh, fundamentals in terms of it doesn't provide, it doesn't have counterparty risk. It's a solid asset. It's been around for 5,000 years, people using it as a currency. It's more than currency. It's actual money. Um, and, you know, to figure out those definitions, we encourage you to just go online and look up the definition between the difference between what money is and what a currency is. Um, the other, the other fundamental, of course, uh, is inflation and geopolitical unrest. We do feel that at some point it's going to rear its ugly head. The consequences of printing uh, mass amounts of money, whether or not it's helping the economy, uh, that that's one thing. But the fact is, is nothing can be for every action. There's a reaction, and this is certainly going to have a consequence of inflation. Paul was mentioning oil. So then you also have the geopolitical unrest, which is just a fallout of all of these issues, people fighting over resources, people um, fighting for their for their own issues. And it usually stems out of the fact that, um, as Gerald Salente always says, when, when people have nothing to lose, they lose it. And so you start to see these flare-ups of, of geopolitical unrest all around the world. Gold and silver, with all of these fundamentals, always does very, very well. So, of course, in our opinion, it's going to be such an exciting opportunity. It doesn't get to look much better than this. What do you think, Darren? Well, you make a lot of valid points, Jeremy, and I think that uh, we have been doing this so long that now it's it's we're validating ourselves because we've been around long enough to know that this is a cyclical market. You're going to have ebbs and tides. It's the nature of a bull market. And as Marianne said, this is the transition phase between two bull markets within a major bull market. So like we saw in the 70s, imagine how many people decided gold wasn't for them when it broke down by 50% in price right in the middle of the 1970s only to learn out uh, learn that within the next 6 years the price went from $100 an ounce to $850 an ounce this is a a time in which we could be seeing the exact same thing happening here only this time $1,400 or $1,322 an ounce, which is where gold is right now, will look stupid funny when, when you look back at it, knowing that it moves so high in such a short time. And, and imagine the people who held gold, you know, that, that market pulled back in 76 from over 200 down to 100 on gold. Imagine if you were a gold holder at that point, 77 goes by, 78 goes by, 79 goes by, three months into 79, you decide I've had enough. I'm putting down my I'm putting down my spade. I'm not going to dig anymore. And you know, they didn't have the their convictions of of why they were holding that metal and then lo and behold 6 months later the market makes a, a massive run and we definitely feel we're going to see the same thing. And the other thing is as well, you've got to look at the Dow today we're recording on Thursday. The Dow's at a all-time high. You have to remember what goes up comes down. You know, real estate is booming stock market is booming, it's going to come off. As gold came off and silver came off in two, May 2011, the stock market has been funded by low interest rates. Interest rates are going to have to go up. The US government right now has got over $17 trillion in debt. 
if interest rates went up a point, two points, three points, they're going to be paying an awful lot of interest to other countries and to, and to debt holders. So in their interest, they want to keep the debt as low as it possibly can be. And everybody is looking for yield. You know, whether it's in the stock market, it's paying very, very small yield. In the bond market, very, very small yield. In gold, there is no yield. It's just a hard asset that just keeps appreciating. So in my opinion, it's time to get into these markets. You need to learn about investing in gold and silver. Get our precious metal advisor. We'll email it out to you on a weekly basis. But if you want to open an account, it's so easy. Um, you can buy gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. You can take it for home delivery. You can buy gold and silver, and you can put it in a safe, secure depository that's allocated and segregated, and you can even get the bars titled to you. And we can even have your uh, your gold and silver financed by putting up as little as 20% and financing the rest. Financing is not for everybody, but it is a way to go to use other people's money to make money in these markets. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver and therealmoneyshow.com. So we'll, uh, we'll take a short break as well. Go to therealmoneyshow.com and get the precious metal advisor back with natural fancy colored diamonds. Hang on. And more of The Real Money Show. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver The website's therealmoneyshow.com. Paul, my favorite part of the show, natural fancy colored diamonds. So it is, John. Last week, uh, we discussed um, natural fancy colored diamonds and how to buy natural fancy colored diamonds. It's most important, the first thing that we look at when we're buying a natural fancy colored diamond is the color. Color is the key element to make sure that a diamond is evenly saturated, has great color. That's the first thing that we look at. The second thing we look at is clarity, whether it's an internally flawless or a VBS1 or a VS1, VS2, that's important. The cut is the next thing that we look at. The cut brings out the fire, the make of the diamond, brings out the scintillation, all the different colors that fly off of the diamond. And thirdly, is the, fourthly rather, is the carat weight. The larger the diamond you buy, the more the diamond is going to appreciate. Uh, for an example, you know, a one-carat diamond, whether it's a fancy, vivid, internally flawless, is at a set price. They jump up accordingly in basically in quarter carats. So a one-carat to a 124 is one price. When you go from 125 to 149, it jumps up again at 150 to 174, 175 to two-carat. Anything over a two-carat in a yellow, for example, is going up at an unbelievable rate. They're extremely hard to find. And at Guildhall, we look for a certain type of diamond. Every diamond has to meet our certification and classification. The diamond has to have the right color, as I said, the right cut, the right clarity, and the carat weight is important. But every diamond comes with a GIA, which is a Gemology Institute of America. That is the certification of the diamond. We don't touch a diamond unless it has a full cert. On the other hand, we also have on, on hand with Guildhall... Uh, my daughter, which I'm very proud of, who is a GIA diamond graduate, and she helps us select the diamonds. And we see an awful lot of diamonds, that, and we turn down diamonds because they don't meet our criteria. The next thing we do is offer you an independent appraisal on that diamond so that you know the fair market price, so you understand what we sell the diamond for, what it's appraised at, which an appraisal is normal appraisal that is if the diamond is lost or stolen, 
that's what the insurance company is going to pay for you. We're a Canadian company. We're a family business. And we always try to let our clients know that we hold your hand through the whole process. Clients come to our office. They have to see the diamonds. They have to come out of a negotiation, a purchase, feeling happy that they've got a great deal. And that's what we offer. The number one eight seven seven eight silver and the real money show dot com is the website. Jeremy, it, people have really started to look at colored diamonds as a viable option to uh, protecting and growing wealth. Um, of course, when you start to get into that realm, you start to look around and you can get confused very quickly. There's not a lot of information available. Um, the information that is out there is coming from various sources online. And so what we've really aimed to do at Guildhall is make the process as simple as possible um, and make the ability for you to make a selection as easy as possible. We do that by, number one, standing behind the entire collection. We own every diamond. We've purchased it for the same intent that you are purchasing it, as opposed to having hundreds of diamonds to choose from, we're only our clients are only choosing from a select top top of what they consider investment grade natural fancy colored diamonds you'll notice that we aren't selling black diamonds or or champagne colored diamonds only what's considered in the business as investment grade and these are the type of diamonds that we see consistent valuations on the increasing side year over year now they say that since records keeping began, colored diamonds have never dropped in, in value, which is true. They've had no volatility, but that's no guarantee that you're going to increase your wealth by simply owning one. It's not enough to just say, I have a pink diamond. You have to have a pink diamond with perfect features that are going to continue to rise in value. It's not enough to say, I own a house. Well, where is that house? In what condition is that house? So these are the things that we look at with Guildhall. And for anyone looking at a colored diamond, there are certain things that a, a company should, should meet, uh, certain criteria that the people you're buying from should have, like, for example, being part of the NCDIA. They're, not, they're the Natural Colored Diamond Association. Uh, this is a, an association that, that firms look out for each other and they police the industry as a whole. Um, certainly, it's very difficult to get in, and they've, they've certainly kicked people out who weren't uh, acting ethically, et cetera, in the market. It's important that the people on staff are, are educated. For example, we do have a, a, a diamond grading graduate from GIA on staff, which is my sister. Um, there's all sorts of things you want to look for. For example, are the, G, are the GIA reports complete? Are they full? So all these little things are things that um, can really lead lead potential buyers astray, we want to make sure that that you don't have that. One of the feelings we often get when we're uh, conferring with a client and they've made their decision is a bit of a feeling of, oh no, I, I don't want to see it go because we have an attachment to these diamonds. They're in our collection. We've gone out, worked really hard to, to find them, to procure them. Uh, it doesn't get easier to buy these things. Um, but it's important also for clients to understand the value of them. Uh, if you don't appreciate the value of them, uh, you'll just get lost in a lot of the technicalities of, of, of colored diamonds. And so what we try to do, again, is we offer the investing guides uh, where we show you the fundamentals on colored diamonds. We show you how to purchase the colored diamonds. And, of course, you can go online and view not only just the GIAs but the appraisals. So we encourage everyone to go to guildhalldiamonds.com. 
uh, sign up for our our guide to buying colored diamonds as and as well as our colored diamond uh, guide just to learn about colored diamonds in general. And one of the most important things is when you're buying a natural fancy colored diamond, whether you buy it from Guildhall or not, you have to ask the people that you're buying from, what happens when I want to go to sell my diamond? Right. And most of the people that sell natural fancy colored diamonds that don't belong to the NCDIA will tell you, well, we sell diamonds, we don't buy diamonds back. We don't buy anybody else's diamonds back. We only buy diamonds back that we sell to our clients because we know the whole history of that diamond and we know when we purchase a diamond, it's a diamond that we're happy to get back, whether you hold the diamond for five years, 10 years, 15 years. That's the reason that we, we're so particular in what we buy. We go out of our way to market a diamond for our clients if they want to resell a diamond. We will put it on our mailing list. We have collectors that collect diamonds, and as soon as diamonds come back onto the market, there is always somebody that wants to buy the diamond. So it's very important when you understand when you're buying a diamond, one of the first questions you ask the dealer, what happens when I sell? Will you buy it back from me? And that's really, really important. So when you buy a diamond, it's important you get the GIA, an independent appraisal. We give a 10-day money-back guarantee. We're a Canadian company. We're a family-run business. And we're in this business for a long, long time. My son, my daughter, my son-in-law, if you ask my granddaughter what she wants to be, she's eight years old, mm. I want to be a diamond expert. And guess what? She will be. And we'll wrap it for another week. The number one eight seven seven eight silver and therealmoneyshow.com. Precious metal advisor. Pick it up while you're there and uh, start investing. It's the best thing you can do for your portfolio. This has been The Real Money Show.